0: Uh, Fontwell is the first. Lee Mottishead from the Racing Post uh, with us on Lacan Sunday today. The first of the talking points uh, is Fontwell relating to last Sunday afternoon uh, when there was confusion. Um, things looked pretty pretty grim, I thought, watching on television. The horse that finished 7th ended up the winner.
1: Yeah, things come in threes and this was the, the third of three unfortunate race course incidents during the week. We had the, the jockey and uh, horse disqualified for not weighing in at Taunton. Then we had the The dead heat in in darkness at Cheltenham. And somewhat similar at Fontwell the following day, we had this situation where on the final circuit of a hurdle race, going to the the third, last fight, the last of those two down the back straight at Taunton, with a horse um, being treated on the landing side of a hurdle, the the race course staff sought to uh, get the jockeys to, to jump the hurdle but then divert themselves. Around the, the, the treatment area um, after the hurdle. Most of the jockeys approaching that hurdle thought that the hurdle was not to be jumped because mm. they confused where well, the chevrons were relative to the hurdle and they went around it, all except for Jack Tudor, who on a horse called Dahmer Rain jumped the flight and, despite finishing out the back, won the race. Unusually, in these circumstances, um, where you'd normally expect jockeys to be suspended for taking the wrong course. That wasn't No the suspensions? Case. No, perhaps with the, the stewards mindful of, of the Sandown incident in the London National. When there was an appeal
0: year. some bans, an appeal and yeah, they got Yeah and,
1: and, and Racing's Perry Mason, Rory McNeese got all the jockeys um, off their penalties. There were no I can see him putting that on his literature. Yeah, sure racing's and Perry Mason, yeah. Lee um, <laughs> They There were, there were no penalties in many ways it was, was, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was common sense. What I thought was interesting and to a degree frustrating was in the stewards' report um, when they explained why there oh, were yeah. no disqualifications they referred to poor visibility. Now, it would seem to me that anyone outside of racing, or indeed anyone in racing, would say, why is a race being allowed to take place with horses going at 30 to 40 miles an hour, jumping hurdles... In poor, in poor
0: visibility. Like Cheltenham, I suppose, on the... Like Cheltenham. Saturday.
1: We know what time it goes dark, we know what time sun sets. There is, it seems to me, in many instances, no reason why races can't just be... Be brought forward, well, that it's
0: going to be the big talking point, isn't it? I couldn't, I, Nick, yeah. Nick Rust and I were talking there about Covid and Brexit, and but I'm sure one of the things being talked about at BHA HQ at the moment is start times after the clocks go back.
1: Yeah, some just don't make sense. I mean, we, we know race races are, are, are scattered across the day for betting purposes and to, to accentuate um viewer enjoyment, but there are instances such as Cheltenham last Sunday where the last race. Um, took place I think at five past four or or, or around that sort of time, when when the first race was at 1.15, 1.10. Why not have it at 12.35, 12.40? I think these things do need to
0: be looked at again. From Fontwell, we're going to go to Hexham. And Bushy Park landed a substantial gamble midweek when successful with no apparent form.
1: Yeah, so Bushy Park um, had run four times previously for Phil Kirby, the trainer, who's also... um, in whose colours the horse also runs. In those four starts, the horse had performed miserably, um, basically, and started at big prices, including 125 to 1. Um, He produced a completely different performance at Hexham, winning easily, having been back from 16 to 1, and someone said to me you could have got 25 to 1 earlier on as well. Into seven to four favouritism and trotted up. Trotted up. His racing post rating went from a previous PB of 83 uh, to I think, 105. So right. hugely big jump. Huge improved performance. The explanation given by um, Phil Kirby to the stewards was that the application of a cross nose band and softer ground, ground, yeah, yeah, had, had helped the horse produce an improved performance. The stewards noted that explanation.
0: But I,
1: I think what's vital. Is that the stewards uh, that more than explanations being noted yeah, takes place? and, and a
0: body uh, has the horse race betters has it. has raised this with the urge with the, the authorities. BHA, yeah, urged the BHA Sorry, that to I, it, yeah. my, that's what my that's you're quite meant, right. But, yeah, and but but they, they the... urge
1: the BHA to ask questions, and questions do need to be asked. There is there's no no one here is is saying that wrongdoing has taken place, but the innocent have nothing to fear from questions being asked and in a situation like this where a horse massively improves his form and on the day he improves his form there's a huge gamble on that horse I think it is perfectly reasonable that questions are asked and it's also vital that all participants in the sport some of whom will not necessarily always want to play by the rules and that's not making insinuations in this case but some won't always want to play by the rules they must know that questions will be asked and more than explanations are noted. So I'm sure things often will take place behind the scenes that we don't know about. It's important on this occasion, again, they do.
0: So discussions at BHA at the moment around Fontwell and uh, probably around that particular race. They'll probably be reviewing the situation because they have the right to review races, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and I've, I've no doubt,
1: actually, one of the owners in, in Phil Kirby's yard is Adam McCormack, the guy who came, who pulled off that massive little Rory Mack coup oh, uh, right. 12 months ago. I'm sure he was applauding. victory.
0: Right, let's move on to the next thing, Racing League, uh, teams announced and uh, a notable coup for this Racing League, this is going to be races staged at four courses uh, isn't it, Um, over Thursdays is it, during the summer? Yeah. And a notable coup getting the O'Brien brothers from from Ireland involved.
1: Yeah absolutely, Joseph and Donica will Mm. both be supplying horses for a team, one of 12 teams in this as you say six-week team-format competition through the summer. It was supposed to kick off this year for very understandable reasons it isn't Delayed, kicking off, yeah, yeah absolutely. I would have still thought in some ways there would be question marks next year about it being ideal conditions because it, you, you couldn't guarantee we'll have full crowds on racecourses by the summer of, of next year. You couldn't guarantee it, could you? You'd be hopeful but yeah. you certainly couldn't guarantee it. But anyway, but we're could ga- it be postponed another, another probably year not. if it was no.
0: possible to get on with
1: it? No, probably not, you probably doomed to crack on. Now I think initially people were quite snotty about this in yeah. the sense that those same people that don't like the Sugar Cup didn't like this either and almost derided it. I think there's been a change of tone now because we know how much, uh, how much money is needed in horse racing. Yeah. We, we, we've seen how prize money has dropped. If you have a situation like this where a seven-figure, a significant seven-figure investment is going to be made into horse racing, I don't think anyone can be sniffy about it. We're not all going to be wildly enthused about it. If I'm being honest, am I looking forward to next year thinking, "Well, hey, the Racing League is launching? No, I'm not. But equally, I'm not going to look down my nose at it because if it's another attempt to drive enthusiasm and interest in horse racing, then we should give it a and go. And beggars
0: can't be choosers, can absolute, they? And look absolute. at some of the people supporting it. So, uh, we've mentioned Joseph and Donica O'Brien, Roger Charlton, Alan King, yep. Richard Hannon, Junior, Andrew Balding, Tim Easterby, Richard Fay. I've missed some out and apologies but to there's them. Some good, but, and there'll be but, more to come as well. Yeah,
1: yeah there'll be more to come. Um, so they're giving it their backing. And as I say, I don't know how many of those people necessarily were as enthusiastic 12 months ago, but I think in the circumstances, there's nothing wrong with changing your mind, and I so say I don't think she's taking anything away from racing. Um, so give it a go and see what happens.
0: And that is going to be taking place at uh, racecourses next year: Doncaster, Newcastle, Lingfield, and Windsor. Now, next on our list, prize money. Sort of uh, link to that last one. Uh, well, uh, absolutely. Um, prize, but looking at the fields yesterday at Ascot, they seem quite small. Um, some of them and uh, one, one person I was talking to said, "Well, have you seen the prize money? Um, the, the, have you got the figures to hand? Um, yeah, so Ascot's card on on, on Saturday
1: um, did raise eyebrows among some trainers, trainers I spoke to as well, particularly the Hearst Park handicap chase which is sort of like a, a Victor Chandler chase of old for um, the, 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 the pre-Christmas period and it's a valuable two mile one furlong handicap chase. Last season on the sponsorship of Gerard's, it was run for 125,000 pounds this year, with Coral backing it, it was run for 25,000 pounds. Now, lots of races have had prize money, a lot of them yeah. this year, but I can't recall a race That's going big, from that sort of sum to, to And the Coral grand. Hurdle
0: from 100,000 to 40,000, yeah, and uh, the race which Imperial Aura won, uh, from 75 to 45. They're quite substantial drops, even for this current yeah, period,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think. Some racing participants, particularly in the in, in the jump sector, had the, the view that perhaps Askers was um hitting jump racing harder than flat racing. And in effect that the jumps boys were taking the 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 pain for the flat their flat counterparts. Asker is insistent that's not the case and that its executive contribution is the same flat and jumps in the strangest of years. They've also made the point that they say the two races are actually quite different in the sense that last year the Hurst Park Chase was an early closing race, which impacts on prize money. Yeah. And this year it wasn't, but it was still a very stark reminder of where things are now compared to where things used to be well. not very long ago.
0: Yeah, 125 to 25 is is uh, worth just looking at the Haydock race. I think the winner of the Betfair Chase 112,000 down to 90, yeah. which is still a drop but not quite as uh, pronounced.
1: No, and that was that that prize I think held up really well at Haydock on Saturday. As you would hope given that it's big jumping day of the winter.
0: Absolutely, right. Next on the talking points list is diversity. Uh, sitting in that very seat uh, seven days ago was Rishi Pasad, and we were talking about uh, his his thoughts on the whole uh, racial diversity matter and diversity uh, yeah. the diversity issue as a whole. And he he has become. Um, he obviously doesn't want to be, he's a journalist, he doesn't want to be the story, but he's going to be, is he going to be or has made a presentation to the British Horse Racing Authority? He has done, yes.
1: Yeah. So yeah, he, he was sat in this seat last yeah. week. He was sat in his seat on Wednesday um, at a BHA board meeting, albeit by Zoom, as everything is in these days. And The BHA board, which we shouldn't forget, is reflective of the sport as a whole. It's, it's got various stakeholders in from racecourses, horsemen, etc they listened to Rishi and they were sufficiently um, impressed and taken with what he said that on uh, Friday um, the BHA in conjunction with the Racecourse Association and the horsemen's group horsemen and women came together and issued a pledge if you like that said we can do better and we must do better on diversity um, for moral and commercial reasons where we are now isn't where we ought to be and I think that has to be applauded. There were already uh, moves in that direction I sit on the diversity in racing steering group and there have been discussions again with with, with key stakeholder groups who who very much had already gone in in that direction but this this pledge was was important and and to those Cornelius I know that this, this annoys a lot of people who just want to listen to uh, talk Something about horse racing. It annoys a lot of
0: people. I, I, th- I think that some, the, the irritated brigade will get irritated. Yeah. But whether, I think a lot of people are... are a lot of people are supportive. There's very no supportive. doubt. Yeah,
1: there's no doubt about that. Um, but there are some who say there's, there's no data, there's no evidence. I would just say, as I pointed out in my column this week, if you look across six of the key boards in horse racing, the BHA board, the RCA board... The ROA, National Trainers' Federation, the National Association of Racing Staff and the Racecourse Association. 81 board positions. Every one of the people on those board positions is white. 81 white people having the key board positions in horse racing. That cannot be where anybody would want horse racing to be now, nor in the future. And therefore, it can only be laudable. It can only be supported that people are trying to change that And it's an excellent thing that racing is now largely getting behind that move.
0: Right, next up is Aidan Coleman. And yeah. Aidan Coleman will ride Epitont in the Fighting Fifth Hurdle at Newcastle next weekend. Um, and um, Aidan Coleman is a, is a go-to rider for J.P. McManus. His career, which is already high, yeah. is on a, on a continuing upward trajectory.
1: Yeah, I mean, Aidan Coleman's share price has been soaring for, <laughs> for, for quite a while. But it's, yeah. J.P. Is, is clearly a fan. And what's interesting, of course, is, is when Barry Geraghty retired... Inevitably, the question was who's going to replace Barry Geraghty as his retained rider. We've ended up in a situation whereby Mark Walsh is basically the retained rider on JP's horses trained in Ireland, Mm. whereas in Britain there isn't really going to be a a Barry Geraghty or an AP McCoy who rides the majority of the horses. That said, JP has traditionally had jockeys he'd like to use in the past and Aidan Coleman is one of those jockeys. And it will be the case that on Saturday at Newcastle, with de Boyneville riding for Nicky Henderson at Newbury, Aidan Coleman rides Epitant in the Fighting Fifth. That might have happened anyway. Aidan's ridden the horse before and Nicky did say during the week that it's likely that Aidan will ride a lot of JP's horses over the winter and, and the spring. And, and for Aidan, it's an excellent thing. He's um, a top jockey. He's also a very good, likeable person who represents, good communicator. His, prof- yeah, represents mm. his profession extremely well. I thought particularly when he came back from injury, he gave me a call before he came back because he wanted a piece in the Racing Post to explain just how grateful he was to the team at Oaxie House for all they'd done for him. So I think that speaks volumes for him and in a wider sense with this situation, it is going to give other jockeys chances they might not otherwise have had, for example Boyneville had. had not that many rides on JP Manners horses trained by Nicky Henderson. He rode Chantry House to win that mm. novice chase at Ascot on Friday. I'm sure he'll ride lots of horses for JP in that stable. I'm sure Harry Cobden will ride horses owned by JP in the Paul Nichols stable. And I'm sure for most trainers they prefer it if they can use jockeys attached to their yards on horses in their yards and it's probably difficult on occasions when a retained jockey comes in to ride horses. So I think most people would like this situation.
0: John Junior Jr. does watch this space as well, obviously. He'll he's relatively inexperienced, um, but is very much on and the up. And
1: you saw his ride on Modus at Aintree. And I know Paul Nicholls yeah. was raving about that one. So yes, John Joaneal Jr. will certainly, I think, benefit as well from Barry Goathe's retirement.
0: Yeah, well done to Aidan Coleman. Hope things go better than that trip to Catrick, though, yeah. uh, midweek, when, um, was it Birchdale, who was a spectacular faller? Uh, but best wishes to Aiden. Looking forward to next Saturday and to... Sorry, I was just looking at the list. Uh, and to the Fighting Fifth. And last on our list is Tanawa. She's <laughs> staying in training. Uh, the Art de Triomphe is obviously the plan. This is proper good news.
1: It is, yeah, because I think we've had a situation in the 2020 flat season where I think we've all agreed that amongst the middle distance crop, it's not been a particularly vintage one. The, the classic brigade weren't especially exciting and so we're looking for good horses to stay in training next year to take on um, a juvenile copper this year that again didn't really hit many heights. Mm. Um, So to have a horse like Tanawa staying in training is excellent news. Uh, In some ways it was a little surprising because the Aga Khan's modus operandi has traditionally been Mm. to retire horses. Yeah, Um, He's not generally been a, a massive fan with some examples. Of keeping horses like this in training. And I did think that given her incredible autumn of winning the Priva Mai, um the Preda Opera and the Breeders' Cup Turf, that they might think that Tanawa had done enough. But perhaps Dermot Weld has been giving some advice uh, to Aga Khan. That advice being this horse could do particularly well next season, maybe, just maybe, could win you another Preda Larc de Triumph. A race that Dermot has yet to win. He'd never won a Breeders' Cup race, amazingly, oh, quite. until yeah. gradually
0: ticking yeah, off the, the, the there boxes. There are many obviously. he's not ticked off. And, and there isn't, there isn't a trainer you'd rather have handling and managing a horse of that no. type than than Dk. Well, does no?
1: There? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she she's she done incredibly well this year with him. Four runs, four wins. She's she's obviously riding an upward curve, with more to give. Um, and yeah. A, a good boost for those looking ahead to the 2021 European flat season that Tanawa will, will, will still be out. Right. And of course the flat season over here, in, this, in, in mm. the flat season is not finished yet. We've got Hong Kong coming up and on Sunday, next Sunday, we've got the horse who I think not everyone agrees with me is the most talented three-year-old in training, Contrail, going in what could be a, a, what will be a vintage Japan Cup against um, Daring Tact and
0: we've taken you around the racing world and we'll continue to do so uh, in the remaining weeks of the year here on racing tv those were this week's talking points luck on sunday proudly sponsored by albastia
1: cruel dubai